I believe today, uh, I, I want to talk to you about, I want to ask you a question. Are you a good, in fact, we'll put the title up, uh, since I can't remember what it was, okay. Uh, are you a good family member? You know, we've been talking about family now for a few months, but the question is, are you a good family member? Now, you might say, well, I'm single, I really, my family doesn't live here, or, you know, I don't really have family here. No, that's not true. That's not true. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're part of the family of God. In fact, it's very clear in, uh, I want to just read this from, um, actually, Ephesians. You know, it's funny, I had a word today. Uh, I had a word for those, I felt like there were some people in anxiety and fear, and I had a word from Jeremiah 29, and, uh, which says, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, I have wonderful plans for you. I know the plans I have for you. Uh, plans are good, not of disaster. Um, you know, plans of blessing. And, and then he goes on to say, and you will know these if you seek me with all your heart. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, sometimes you might have a fear of the future, but God's got it in, in his hands. So I just want to encourage you just to, to back up what Mike uh, said earlier. First of all, uh, by the way, Mike's birthday was yesterday. Can you can give him a hand, would you? <laughs> I noticed he had a little more gray around the temples, but anyway, at least he's got hair. <laughs> anyway, uh, in Ephesians 2, it says this, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles, and that's most of us are Gentiles, uh, who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews uh, who were near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles, which includes us, the majority, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. I want you to say this with me. I'm a member of God's family. And I'm thankful to Jesus. You know, it's interesting. Today is St. Patrick's Day. And uh, St. Patrick was an amazing guy. Uh, he's kind of been Catholicized. I tried to find pictures of him, but they all <laughs> didn't look like he did. I mean, he was a rough guy. He was an amazing guy. Here, here's what happened. At 16 years old, he was living in what is now present-day England. And there were marauders or pirates that came over from what is present-day Ireland, and they actually, at 16 years old, they would come into these villages, and they would pillage the village. They would take plunder. They would kill people who resisted them, and then they would take the young people and take them to their country. And, and so this is what happened to Patrick. He was stolen. He was taken uh, at 16 years old. You can imagine he was taken uh, by these marauders. They didn't speak his language. He didn't speak theirs. Took him to a foreign country. Uh, he ended up working for a landowner. And he became a, a, a like a, he was a shepherd, really. He spent uh, hours and hours out in the fields. And he came to know God and his father was a Christian, though, you know, but, but he came to know God in a deeper way just through nature and through the time he had just meditating and just talking to God. And, and so it was an amazing thing that happened. And then he had a dream. Six years, he was there for six years, 16 to 22, he had a dream. And in the dream, the, 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 an angel came to him and said, you need to go down to the dock. There'll be a boat waiting for you today, and you'll be going back to your country. 
And he did, and he escaped, and he went back to his country. But at 48 years old, the Lord spoke to him again in a dream, and the Lord said, and what he did in this dream, the Lord spoke to him, but he heard the people in that place where he had lived for six years calling to him, said, Patrick, we need you, we need you. And so he went at 48, which, you know, shorter lifespan back then. By then, he went there and basically poured out the rest of his life in what is present-day Ireland, and it was a very difficult barbarian culture. It was a culture that the Roman, the Roman Catholics said, there's no way we can ever reach these people. Patrick went, he knew them, he loved them, he spoke their language, he knew Jesus, he brought Jesus, and in the time he was there, probably 15 to 20 years, he established over 700 communities. He didn't call them churches, because what he did was he built family, he built relationship, and in those relationships, people came to know Jesus. And there's a book written by George Hunter Jr. that's called The Celtic, and we say Celtics because it's the Boston Celtics, but actually the true pronunciation is Celtic. But anyway, uh, what happened was uh, he, this man wrote a book about Patrick, and it's called The Celtic Way of Evangelism. And basically his, pre his premise was what Patrick did in that country was he turned a barbarian culture and brought revival to, to an entire area, an amazing area. And here's what they said. He said, this is the way we need to reach the culture that we're in now because it's a post-Christian culture. We need to build families. We need to build relationship. And what they would do was, and Patrick taught them, first of all, they would treat all people and they would invite them, whether they were believers or not, they would invite them into their, their lives and they would do life together. And many people would, because they would see this relationship that they had with each other and with Jesus, that would draw other people into the kingdom. Some people have called it relational evangelism, but it's very, very powerful. And if you think back, think back to how you became a Christian. I'm not going to take time to do a survey here, but I can guarantee you that most of you were led to Christ by somebody you knew, not by somebody that walked up on the street and gave you a track, uh, but somebody you actually knew. I know for me, two people who I lived with on a commune, <laughs> which goes way back when I had hair. Uh, whenever I see other guys with long hair, I'm envious and it brings back memories. But, but, uh, but anyway, I knew them and I saw the change in their lives when they came to know Jesus. And because of that, I gave my life to Jesus, but it's because I knew them. And so what I wanna say is, I believe the most powerful way, I believe that Patrick hit on something. If you're trying to reach people that are not believers, if you'll invite them into your life, if you'll invite them into, uh, let them share in what, what's going on in your life, because all people want that. Most people don't want religion, but they do want relationship. Relationship with God, relationship with each other. And so that's why this really feeds into the message today. I, I had prepared the message, I was working on the message, and then I went, wow, it's St. Patrick's Day. I better wear green, number one, because I don't want to be pinched. And number two, uh, it really ties in to the message today, are you a good family member? You see, Patrick was, and he taught others how to be that. And so I'm going to give you four points today. Four points, no poem, and I'm going to send you home. But anyway, here's the point. <laughs> here's the point. All of these points start with a T, so you'll be able to remember them very easily. The first one is, are you a team player? Team player. Are you a team player? What does that mean? That means you value the team over your individual self. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of athletes today who are incredible athletes. 
But I want you to know that they don't bring value to the team if they're not a value, if they're, if they're not a team player. If they don't value the team more. If it's all about them and all about them being the star, it actually takes away from the team. But when they can pour themselves into that team, when they can really put that team above themselves and the value of the team above themselves, you know what? It makes not only the team better, but it makes them better people. And so I want to encourage you. And the natural reaction is to be all about me. It's all about me, me, me. And uh, I've got to encourage you, though, in the midst of this. And by the way, I want you to rate yourself on these. There's four T's. Rate yourself one being the worst, five being the best. And to be honest with you, to really get a true rating, you need to really find your best friend or your spouse and let them rate you. But I'll let, I'll, I don't want to create strife here. And, uh, and so uh, the point is, though, I really believe that we've got to be team players. You know, it's kind of the choice. Uh, am I going to choose to go to my child's important athletic event or am I going to meet with that important client that I have to meet with? What am I going to decide to do? If I'm a good family member, I'm going to choose my child's athletic event over that important client and tell them, you know, I'll have to meet with you another time. Let's reschedule. Sometimes that's hard because it's more exciting maybe to meet with that client and maybe the possibilities of, you know, of whatever it might be. But I want you to know that it's really key. Um, when I, I remember uh, when, uh, when I went through a divorce and my wife left and I was a single parent, I had custody of Mike and Anna and, and uh, I remember uh, I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice whether I was gonna pour my life into my career. Uh, I was pastoring a church that had done incredibly well, it had exploded. Uh, what was I gonna do? And I realized at that point, and you don't know sometimes until you're faced with decisions, but I, I made a choice that I was gonna put my kids first. It was the best choice I ever made in my life. And I, I remember I went to Greeley, I took, up, I, I took a job uh, over the, the Christian high school there. I made $1,300 a month for nine months and I hustled painting jobs in the summer. Uh, we had a lot of beans and rice, but we also served Beano with, those, with the beans. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, the fact was that, you know what? Sometimes you don't realize the investment. And uh, now to watch my son as pastor here, I'm so proud of him. And uh, to see, you know, just sometimes you don't know. But I want to tell you, it's important to invest in the family, not just your own family. I'm talking about the family of God, because that's what it's really all about. And so I just want to encourage you in the midst of whatever you're going through. You know, there was a guy in the Bible uh, by the name of Eli, and he was a high priest. And he had two sons, Phineas and Hophni and, and Phineas. And the sad part is, and we don't know those... Phineas and Hophni ended up really, really going off the deep end and really messing up. And we don't know if Eli was, you know, just didn't give them enough, en enough love or give them enough direction. We do know that it says that he really, he didn't really, uh, he didn't rebuke them or he didn't, uh, what was the other, restrain them. He didn't restrain them like he should have and he didn't correct them like he should have. Uh, although we can't put all the blame on Eli because if we put all the blame... I know all the dumb decisions I made before I became a believer. All those decisions that I made, yeah, I certainly don't blame my parents for that. Amen? And you shouldn't either. Amen? And, uh, and, and so, uh, but here's the deal. I just want you to know that family is so important. Because that family was not cohesive, it really affected the whole nation of Israel. And uh, it's a very sad story. You can read about it in the Old Testament. But uh, 
I'm not going to go into it now because it's kind of depressing. But anyway, uh, the point is, the question I want to ask you, are you a team player? Now, you can rate yourself. Uh, you know, do you put others before yourself or is it always about you? Is it always about, you know, my name's Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. Uh, I'm going to pray for us four and no more. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, the point is that we've got to really real, realize that we've got to put others first. Now, here's the scripture that, that really says this and it's very clear. It's in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now, wait a minute, wait, 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 Paul. What do you mean, do nothing out of selfish ambition? No, that's what he's saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Well, what is selfish ambition? What does that mean? It means where it's all about me. It's all about, isn't ambition a good thing? Well, when it's selfish, it's not a good thing because it's all about me promoting myself. It's all about me, myself, and I. And uh, there is none like me, you know. <laughs> anyway, the point is that, that anyway, you got the point. Okay, <laughs> do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the, what? Others. And then he goes on to say this, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What was his mindset? He laid it all down, didn't he? He gave his life for us. He put us before himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if you can take this cup of suffering from me, please do it, but not my will, your will be done. In other words, I'm willing to suffer however much it is because I'm putting others before myself. Greater love has no one than this, than a person lay down their life for their friend. So that's number one. So number one is what? Team player. Number two is tender and truthful. Sounds like a great song. <laughs> Probably Elvis Presley could have sung it. Anyway, uh, tender and truthful. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, when somebody in the family is struggling, or even if they fall into sin, how do you handle it? Are you tender and yet truthful? Or are you judgmental and jerky? And I'm not talking about just in your own individual family. I'm talking about in the, the body of Christ. You know, it's amazing to me that I feel like sometimes the body of Christ can be so rough on people that stumble and fall. Instead of picking them up, I feel like sometimes they kick them when they're down. And I believe that's wrong. I believe God's called us to have an attitude of grace and mercy. And let me just say this. If you don't understand God's grace, if you don't understand his mercy, it's going to be very, very hard for you to show mercy to others. God is a merciful God. He's a gracious God. And if anybody's tried to portray him as a God who gets angry when you make a mistake, I want you to know that's a false it's a false understanding of who God is. You know, the scripture says that God is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and he's of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. That's Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9, I believe, or 7 and 8. But it's so important to see this. Galatians 6, 1 through 3 says this. Dear brothers and sisters... If another believer is overcome, and this is somebody in the family, basically, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly 
should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Did you hear that? Sometimes we get attitudes. And then he goes on to say something that's very powerful here. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Sometimes when we see somebody else stumble, we go, wow, that makes me better than they are. That's the temptation and the pride that'll cause you to stumble because pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction in Proverbs. Share each other's burdens. You know, sometimes it's a pain in the butt to share other people's burdens. I mean, I'm just being honest. Well, you got your burdens, you know, but you know, God's called us to come alongside those people and to share those burdens and to, you know, to not be so caught up in our own agenda that we can't take the time to really love that person, to share the burdens with them. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? What is it? To love one another as he's loved us. That means unconditionally. That means being able to bear those burdens. And if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. <laughs> I like the way the NLT says this. <laughs> you're not that important. You know, I mean, think about it. Sometimes we think we're so important that we just don't have time to give time to others. You know, I do a lot of counseling now. And, uh, and you know, I, I find that it's, I, I really love to be able to help people. And I know I can only help people through Jesus. I can't help them just in my own way. But Jesus, it's amazing though, in these sessions, Jesus will come in and he'll, he'll, he'll just bring light to me and to the person. I mean, and he'll, he'll set that person back on their track. But if, if I have a condemning attitude or a judgmental attitude toward that person, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And the same is true for you. You know, if you have people that are struggling in your family or in your close, you know, knit people that you love, man, I got to tell you. They need your love more than ever before. They need your strength. They don't need your condemnation. They don't need you to tell them, uh, this is how you need to get it right. You know, they need to just, they, they need you to come beside them and to help them to overcome the struggle and the sin that they're going through. Amen? That's what we're called to do. That's what the body of Christ is all about. That's what a family is all about. And so I just want to encourage you. You know, my youngest brother, many of you know, uh, he was an alcoholic at 13 and uh, really, really struggled. Uh, he ended up working with the homeless in New York City. Uh, but I remember just my brother and I, my middle, he was the youngest, and my middle brother and I really reached out to him a lot. I really love him. I, I talked to him about two or three times a week, uh, you know, even though he's, in, he's where I grew up in Pennsylvania. And, and uh, anyway, the, the sto long story short is he became a believer. I, I actually helped to lead him to Christ. And and he became a believer, but he still had an alcohol problem that he just couldn't overcome. And I remember one time, it was really bad, I flew out to New York and spent a week with him in New York City. And, uh, you know, and, and my brother, we, we, he and I both encouraged him, other people encouraged him, and he, got, and he overcame alcoholism. And, and uh, he hasn't had a drink in many, many years now. But he had a tremendous impact on New York City, on the homeless, uh, for 25 years, he worked with the homeless and literally set up reclamation centers around the city, which God showed him, and transformed the city. Uh, it's an amazing story. He spoke at the Harvard Business School several times. He was on Good Morning America. I mean, you know, God used the struggle he went through. He came through it, but he had people come alongside of him, or I don't think he would have made it. 
And so I just want to encourage you, you never know who you're helping to make it out of that hole and to really make a difference in life. And so I just want to encourage you to reach out. So number one was what? Team player. Amen. Number two was what? Good. Tender and truthful. Let me just say, being tender, just tender, without being truthful, oftentimes doesn't help people. <clears throat> Sometimes you've got to be able to speak the truth in love. But until they know they, that you love them, you know, it's not going to have an impact. Once they know you love them, then you can bring truth in a, very, in a way that they can receive it. If you hammer people with truth and you're not tender, guess what that's going to do? That's also going to put them down and make them feel condemned. So somehow you got to blend. You know, Ephesians 4 verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love. Somehow it's got to be love and truth combined. And that's what really changes people's lives. When you can, but first of all, I got to tell you, if they don't feel loved by you, they will not receive the truth from you. Amen or oh me? And so <laughs> it's got to be love. And then when you can bring truth, you bring truth. And, uh, but they need to go together. Okay, that's, no, that's two. We're halfway through. You ready? Number three. Does anybody want to guess what the next T is? <laughs> Don't put it, that might be up there. Okay. Uh, number, number three is tenacious. Say tenacious. Now, what does tenacious mean? What does it mean? Anybody? That's right. It means I don't give up. I keep pressing in. I keep pushing, even when I feel like giving up. Many of you know my story. I went through two and a half years of extreme anxiety uh, at the point where I was still the senior pastor, but I was about to turn things over, and Pastor Ronnie had retired, and uh, Mike had come, and I was going through tremendous anxiety. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I got to the point where I didn't want to, I just wanted to leave this church, leave the ministry. I wanted to go live on the beach, and uh, I just had had it. Uh, I felt like it was having an effect on my physical body and everything else. And yet the Lord said, you've got to hang in there. And I got to be honest with you, there are times where I would get up to preach and I would have all this anxiety. Those of you that have struggled with anxiety, you know what I'm talking about. I would have this tremendous anxiety. I'd get up to preach and I'd say, Lord, I can't do this without your help. And somehow the Lord would help me. And once I got preaching, I was fine. Now, I don't have any anxiety anymore. I went through two and a half years. I counseled almost every week. And, uh, and you know, it's amazing out of that. But I got to tell you, there were times when I wanted to give up. And I know there's times you feel like you want to give up. You know, and you just want to give up. And, and you, you can't. You can't give up. You got to keep going. And I believe that tenaciousness is so important to being a good family member. Because had I given up, it would have affected the family. It would have affected my family. It would have affected this family. It would have affected, you know, my family back east. It would have affected everything, and it would have affected me. And so it affects the family. But if you can hang in there, it really affects the family in a great way. Uh, I, I got to tell you, the Apostle Paul learned this. He went through so many struggles. And he, he talks about the key in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, and then verse 18. Apostle Paul says, we are like clay jars in which this treasure is stored. The real power comes from God and not from us. See, this is what you got to realize. He's the one that's going to sustain you. When you're weak, you'll discover his strength. We often suffer, but we are never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, 
God is with us. And when we are knocked down, what do we do? We get up again. Things that are seen don't last forever, but things that are not seen are eternal. That is why we keep our minds on things that cannot be seen. In other words, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. If we're going to be able to run this race, you know, it says it in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You know, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that would cling so closely and let us run with perseverance or tenacity. Tenacity, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus has done it in front of us. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He'll give us the ability and the strength to keep going even when we feel we can't. Amen? So I want you to know you have the greater one of God living on the inside of you. And I'm so grateful that I didn't give in to those feelings of wanting to give up. And I want to encourage you not to give up. So number one is? Number two is? Tender and truthful. Number three is? Tenacious. You guys are great. I'll tell you. Number four is transparent. Say transparent. The question I want to ask you, remember you're rating yourselves on all these five or four areas. Can you be gut honest or do you couch your words because you're worried about what people think or you're worried, you know, whatever reason, you're just, you're not telling the truth. You know, I've had people that I've talked to, I'm, uh, recently I was talking to someone and they said, you know, uh, I don't want to tell the truth to my mother because I don't want to burden her. The mother had come and said, you're going through something, aren't you? And he goes, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I said, we both had a revelation. I said, do you think it would have been better to tell the truth and say, hey, let's pray about this? Do you think that would have helped your mom and helped you? He goes, absolutely. And I think sometimes we hold back. Maybe it's, it seems like a good reason we're holding back because we don't want to burden that other person. But that's not good because it's better to be gut honest. I remember when the Word of Faith movement was very, very strong, and uh, they said, never, ever say anything negative because that's a negative confession, you know? And so if I'm going through a struggle, I don't ever tell that. I, if somebody says, are you going okay? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Well, that, that to me is lying. <laughs> that's lying. It's not, you're not fine. It's better to say, hey, I'm going through a struggle, but you know, I'm going to make it, especially if you'll pray with me. You know, it's really important that we can be honest with each other. Can you be transparent? I believe social media does everything to hinder transparency. Everybody looks good on Facebook. <laughs> oh, the pictures are here, you know, and everything's great. But what's the real picture? And so when everybody sees those and they go on Facebook, they feel like, man, I need to put my best face forward. I need to look really good. I need to really have a good facade. It's all a facade, though. And social media fosters that. And if, I, if I'm not, and, and it makes me feel worse because I look and so, boy, everybody else is doing great. Why am I doing so crappy, you know? It's just not right. It's not fair. But it's not, it's a lie because everybody has their struggles. We can cover them up or we can be real. In a real true family, we share that. I remember, I'll never forget, after freshman year in college, Mike and I, we went off on a camping trip. We sat down by, by, the, by this stream or this river, and Mike began to share his heart, you know, the things that had happened in college, the things that he'd learned, the things, some things, you know, that I didn't really think, I thought, man, do I want to hear all this? 
and yet I did want to hear it. And actually, uh, he was a choir boy compared to my, my first year in college. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but it was great because of the transparency we had, you know, and, 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 and I believe that has to have, see, we got to be honest with each other. And let me tell you, as parents, if we can't be honest, how can our kids be honest? If we're holding up this image that's fake, that's a fake image of being a Christian. That's not real. They're not going to be able to live up to that, and they're going to feel condemned by it, and they're probably going to leave the faith. So we got to be real. we got to be honest. You know, when I first came to this church, uh, I had gone through a divorce, and, and, uh, and, then, uh, I, and then fortunately, Yvonne came by and saved my life. By the way, on Friday, we celebrated 33 years of marriage. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I said, Yvonne, do you realize that in 33 years, she goes, and she said with a twinkle in her eye, 33 years of marital bliss. I went, yeah, well, maybe not quite, but but anyway, we made it, 33 years. (laughs) But but anyway, uh, I remember when I came here, and, you know, I, this, the church had kind of was falling apart, and I became the pastor, and this is a long time ago. And uh, I, I was worried that people would find out that I'd been through a divorce because I'd, I was fearful they'd judge me. And I remember I, I was talking to a counselor, and he said, the best thing you can do is just get up and talk about it. And so that Sunday, I got up and I talked about it. And it was amazing. Several people came up to me. One guy came up to me, and he was an elder. He goes, you know, I went through a divorce when I was young, and I've never told anybody about it, and I feel terrible about it. But thank you for sharing what you shared. You know, and so I got to tell you, when you can be transparent, when you can be real, you know, not only, it's going to help other people to be real. That doesn't mean we stay in that place of struggle. We share what we're going through, and then we pray, and we come through it. But I got to tell you, if you're trying to walk in that, and just do it yourself, you know, it's, it's tough. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. This is the apostle John who was the apostle who knew how much Jesus loved him. He said, if we claim that we, sh- that we share life with him, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, in other words, when we're not honest, uh, we're fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, We share unbroken fellowship with one another. See, when we can be transparent with God, we can be transparent with each other, and then we can have that close fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. You know what? People are not looking for religion. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for something that's real. I'm just telling you, people want the reality. They don't want to be <laughs> condemned and hear how great a Christian you are. They, they, they want to know how much you care about them and how much you care about them and how real you are with them. And I have found that when you can be real with people, it builds an immediate bond. And so I wanna encourage you. I wanna close with a story of a tale of two pastors, I'm gonna call it. A tale of two pastors. The first pastor, this happened just recently. He was a pastor of a a very good church up in Denver. Uh, A guy that I met a few years ago, I never knew him well, really a great guy. Uh, he'd had a motorcycle accident a few years ago, several years ago, and uh, I know it caused some brain damage. But, but anyway, the, the problem was he was doing a great job and really a great guy. And somebody said they listened to the last message right before he passed away. He, the last message he gave was one, we need to really gather around those who are struggling because they need us. Well, he didn't talk about his own struggle. People didn't know that he was struggling. 
But a few days later, he committed suicide. Tragic, tragic story. Tragic story. Breaks your heart. I want to talk about another pastor, though. Another pastor who actually was Mike's pastor, uh, Mike and Christie's pastor, and he's one of the overseers here, Jeff Wells. He was here not too long ago. Jeff Wells, I, Mike said he thought it was about the second or third time they were at the church. He got up and he says, guys, I'm really struggling. I'm going through just the worst time I've ever gone through in my life. I'm thinking of leaving the ministry. And he even hinted that he was having thoughts of suicide. He said, I need you all to pray for me as never before. Mike said that was such a powerful, powerful time that both he and Christy knew that was the church where they wanted to plan into. He's become great friends with Jeff. Jeff's one of the overseers here. This was a man who wasn't afraid to tell the congregation that he was going through a horrible, horrible struggle with anxiety and depression, and yet he came through it. It was soon after that that his church exploded and more than doubled in size. It's a mega church now in Houston. This was a man, tale of two pastors. One was hurting and struggling deeply, wasn't able to share it. The other was. One made it, one didn't. Folks, transparency is essential. Be a team player. Be tender, yet truthful. Be tenacious, never give up or give in. And lastly, be transparent even when it hurts because it changes everything. I wanna pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for each and every person within the sound of my voice this morning. I ask you to come, Father, right now. If you're here this morning and you say, man, I, I really need Jesus in my life. You see, it's one thing to say I love Jesus, it's another thing to give your life to him. That's when you come into the family. If you're here this morning, you say, man, I, I really need Jesus. Maybe you say, well, I did invite Jesus into my life, but I've really strayed away. I've, I've gone off. I haven't been a good team player. If that's you, if you're here this morning, I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward or anything, but I want you to just, with heads bowed, I want you to just slip up your hand very honestly and saying, yeah, Pastor, I, I need to come back to Jesus or I need to press into him or I, I need your help, Jesus. Thank you for that hand. God bless you. Thank you for that hand as well. Other hands, just God bless you. See that hand way in the back as well. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I want everybody to pray this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I desperately need you. Thank you for bringing me into the family. Forgive me of all my sin, all my mistakes. Thank you that you do. Now, Lord, make me the person you want me to be. Help me to be a better team player. Help me to be tender and yet truthful. Help me to be tenacious and help me to be transparent. Lord, I want to make a difference. I give it all to you, Jesus. And everybody said, let's give Jesus a great hand this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the ministry teams to come. Ministry teams will be up here. I'll be up here. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.